This is because I want to. Hello, and welcome back to Because I Want To, where we talk about whatever it is we want to. I'm Sarah. I'm Lindsay. And welcome back from another unintentional break. We're just getting real inconsistent. (laughs) And once again, it's my fault. Explain to the people what happened. (laughs) So... If you're not a teacher, you might not know what this feels like, but when the summer starts, you really lose track of time and days and really anything with the passage of time. And so I'm like eating dinner with my family and I get a bunch of texts from Lindsay. She's like, are we podcasting? And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm sitting at my parents' house eating dinner. So no. Meanwhile... I'm sitting over here with my polyjuice potion cocktail in my Harry Potter cosplay, listening to the soundtrack and going, no. I felt so bad. I was like, oh my God, she made a theme drink. The only part of what I just said that was true was the theme drink, and that's okay because I enjoyed it anyway. Man, I just like it didn't even occur to me that it was Saturday and this is a thing we do on Saturday. Didn't make the connection. I get that. It's summertime. It is. So yeah, that was my bad. But we're back. (laughs) And I guess I should probably say in July it'll probably be inconsistent too because that's when I'm, this month is when I'm going to Iceland. So yeah, I'll probably be a week or two off. Yeah, man. Look forward to a lot of inconsistency in the future. Although, I have to burp. Hang on. I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> no, you maybe won't. Maybe I won't. It's okay. <laughs> uh, next week, we'll be together. I'm so excited. I am so stoked. We're going to the beach with some of our friends And I haven't seen anyone, I think, since the last time I was in Maryland, which will have been, like, two years ago. Yeah, man. Like, I saw you. No, I didn't see you last summer. Yeah, I haven't seen you for, like, two years. So I think you came and visited me in New Orleans. And I think that was the same year that I went to Maryland. And we all had, like, brunch or something. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And then the world shut down. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, I have seen our group of friends, like once yeah this all went to hell as it were i was talking to caitlin about it and she said her parents were like well i hope the weather is great for you and caitlin was like i don't care if it's a hurricane (laughs) (laughs) we're all used to being inside anyways like it would be nice to go to the beach but yeah i'm just excited to see everyone and do something social with our friends Yeah, like, I could not give one shit if we actually get to go to the beach. Yeah. Same. But yeah, Um, are we going to record next week? Are we going to... I think we should. Together in the same place. I know. It'll never have happened. But we can just get smashed face and see who else wants to record and just whatever. Talk about whatever. Yeah, man. It'll be a good time. We'll have to figure out the whole... I guess if we just use one mic, we won't get feedback. Yeah, I think just one mic. Like when my sister 
was on it with us, she and I just shared a mic. Sounds like a plan, Stan. So what you been up to? Well, I paid off my car today. <gasps> That's so exciting. I know. It's super exciting. And I paid it off like eight months early. So go me. Huzzah! That's exciting. It's like weird to think that I own this car now. But now I'm like, I want to get dash cams because <laughs> people here mm-hmm. drive like crazy people. <laughs> yeah, you've been having a lot of little incidents or almost incidents people here have like road rage and they don't look where they're going and they drive like really fast so i need like a front dash cam and a back dash cam i guess that's what happens when you live in oklahoma so yeah i did that and then i found a dog sitter to take care of the dogs when i'm gone which i was worried about because fiber's difficult I'm glad you found someone. Yeah, I was worried that he was just going to like growl and not get along with anyone. But in our house, he's like much more relaxed and he, Mm -hmm. you know, like he'll bark at people when they first come in, but then he'll let them like pet him, which I was shocked by. It's good. You always wonder what's going on in dogs' minds, you know, like what's the make or break for you? Yeah. So I was really stressed about, like, what we're going to do with him because I don't know. No, we didn't talk about this on the podcast. I think I told you we tried boarding him and it, like, did not work. He was just, like, he wouldn't leave the room. No one could go in. He, like, when Brock went to pick him up, he was, like, cowering under a chair and, like, wouldn't come out. (laughs) Poor Bubba. Yeah, it's definitely not for all dogs. I think he has some trauma, but yeah, so that's why we need, I think, someone to come to the house. (laughs) I think at the end of the day, like, if you can afford it, house sitting is preferable. Which is interesting because the person we have coming is actually less expensive than if we were to board them. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's just because it's out here in Oklahoma, but yeah, it's like better that way. Yeah, it's a very mixed bag. Like, if you just find, like, a neighbor, it's, like, typically way cheaper. Yeah, and the person we found is also, like, a dog trainer. So I think that'll be good because maybe she oh, can... Oh, that's e- perfect. Yeah, like, end up training him afterwards, too. So... hmm Yeah. Nice. What's been up with you? <sighs> you know... <laughs> You've been getting a lot of really depressing snapchats for me which i apologize for yeah are you okay (laughs) um i don't know that i'm okay but i am doing things to try and help myself be okay all right that's a step it is what are you doing to try to help you be okay i found a psychiatrist good i started medicine good trying to i've been starting Like, normally I never do this, but I've been working on, like, school stuff just so I have something to put my energy into. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's been a touch and go. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine, at least I know in the last year, I feel like I've been more stressed and anxious. And then if you're also out of work, it seems like it'd be good, but then you also have, like, all this time during the day. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. To just be in your thoughts. (laughs) 
Yeah. I just need to, I need to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. That's part of the problem. When do you go to bed? I've been going to bed at like 1 a.m., which I'm too old for. Those those days are done. I need to <laughs> go to bed at a normal hour. I was talking to someone about how in college I got into the habit of taking these like really long naps in the afternoon and not sleeping at night. And I was like, you can only do that in your 20s. You have to like, you can't yeah. do that forever. <laughs> I remember when you, so for people who don't know, which would probably be most of you, um, Lindsay got a teaching job before I did. So you were teaching for like a couple years before I started teaching full time. And I remember when you first started teaching, you would like text me and you'd come home and you'd sleep Yeah. for like a while and then you'd get up and lesson plan. And I just remember thinking like, this is so unsustainable <laughs> what she's doing. Yes. And because I would like stay up so late, I would be exhausted and then just get through the day and then just pass out when I got home at like three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like teaching is one of those jobs that you have to put in so much time outside of work that I couldn't Mm -hmm. go home and keep working. I needed like a break. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think people understand how difficult your first year of teaching is it's it's like impossible I was miserable my first year absolutely miserable it's awful I have no idea how I survived my first year of like full-time full tilt teaching and I didn't even do a full like year I started in October yeah well that's harder though because you don't start off with them you're like just jumping in To give everybody an idea, I actually quit after my first year of teaching and took like six months to decide if that's what I actually wanted to do because it was that bad. Because you were in Baltimore County Mm -hmm. and then you stopped and then you started in Frederick County. No, Carroll County. Yeah. So I quit after I worked at Baltimore County for various reasons. Um, and then I was like, I'm not going to be a teacher. Like, this isn't for me. And so I just, like, subbed and did, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were, like, not about teaching at all. Yeah, I was like, absolutely not. And so I just did, like, random shit for a while. I, like, subbed and I worked at, like, an after-school program. And then I interviewed at Carroll County because I was like, I don't know what else to do. I, like, needed money. And I got, like, a job offer, like, the next week. I remember when I was student teaching with fourth graders and my mentor teacher was off for the day. So there was a sub, but it was an opportunity for me to be like the teacher and the sub Mm -hmm. was just going to be there because she had to be there. And at the end of the day, I was like, I can't do this. I went in my car and I cried. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) When I had my first day of like full, I didn't have that moment when I was student teaching But my first day of, like, full tilt teaching, I went home. I still live with my parents, crawled in bed with my mother, and cried for an hour and a half and was like, I'm going to quit. And my mom was like, you can't quit. You have to make it the year. And then you can quit. So I decided my first day (laughs) that at the end of the year I was going to quit. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That decision was made. But then you obviously absolutely not. didn't quit, and you've now been teaching for how many years? Like, I mean, seven? I quit. I quit. I just you decided. quit. You quit where you were, but you didn't quit yes. teaching. Yes. 
Yeah, it's That's hard. That's the thing with teaching, though. Like, what else are you going to do, you know? You could do a lot of stuff. What do you mean? I used to teach, and I do other stuff now. I know. I just, like, I feel like I've been doing it long enough that, like, if I were to switch careers, I wouldn't make as much money, which is, like, a problem for me. Um, I yeah, think also, where I live, there's just not a lot. That's the hard part is where you live, Yeah. Especially because you own your house. So you're kind of like anchored there. But Mm -hmm. I think you're selling yourself short that you're like, I couldn't do anything else because I remember, I think maybe if you were older, if you're like in your 50s or 60s, it'd be hard. Mm -hmm. Because I would work with teachers and they would tell me, I hate, they were like, I hate my job. But what am I going to do? No one's going to hire me. And I'm like, oh my God. I have to get out now. <laughs> yeah. That's like true facts though. Like if you, this is horrible advice, but like if you are a new teacher and you really hate it, like get out early. Yeah. And most people do. I think I remember like at least several years ago, the retention rate was like less than 50% for like teachers in their first three years. Oh, yeah. A lot of people we went to grad school are not teachers anymore. Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound like teaching is awful because it definitely is, like, good for a lot of people, but it's hard. You have to really want it. It's not something you Mm -hmm. can just kind of do and be happy. (laughs) I like that this episode has just become a monologue about the teaching profession. Because it's it's hard and, like, people don't understand. And, yeah, it's just people don't get it unless they've done it, how hard it is. It's really true, though. Like, you just, you have no idea yeah. unless you've done it. But the longer you do it, the better it gets because you, like, know your content, you know your lessons, your activities. You kind of, like, fall into it. Like, this past year has really not been a great anything. So no. I think it's, like, soured my viewpoint on teaching at the moment. But in a normal year, it's really yeah. not that bad. Yeah. So, and yeah, you're in your, that's the other thing is like, uh, people are like, well, teachers get the summers off. And if you didn't get the summer off, you wouldn't keep doing it. Cause it's like, so exhausting. No. You have to if have that we, time. Like I was talking to one of, I, was, I don't want to say, I was talking to somebody about this and they are like a proponent for a year round school, which I could get down with if it was set up in that way, you know, where it's like six weeks on, yeah. two weeks off. Mm-hmm. Um, because you will literally lose it if you do not have a break in there. Like, if I didn't have summer, I would 100%, like, lose my cool on a kid. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. It's just the grind is too much to sustain all year long without those breaks. It really is. But anyway, yeah, that's, you know, I haven't really been up to that much. Well... We'll have fun at the beach. I'm so excited for that. I'm only, I'm flying in for like four days and I really don't have a lot of leave, but I'm doing it because I need to. (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes life be like that. You just need it. I'm doing it. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to come pick you up. I'm going to come pick Danielle up. We're probably going to get stuck on the Bay Bridge. It's going to be a good time. Okay. Can we talk about, before we start talking about Harry Potter, 
we're talking about Harry Potter today, everyone. <laughs> That's um, why I was talking about Polyjuice Potion earlier. <laughs> there was no context, but that's why. <laughs> I was going to visit my friend Taylor. Was it yesterday? No, it was Thursday. Wow. Time do be flying. Oh, yeah. Yesterday was my depression day. We'll pretend it didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> it was really Christ. bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, Thursday. I went to drive to Easton, and that was maybe the single most stressful drive I have ever had. Like, I knew it was 4th of July weekend, and so I checked the traffic before I left. And it was, like, a half hour longer than it normally is, and I was like, fine. Yeah. And then it just got worse and worse as I was driving, and a storm rolled in, and there was, like, a tornado warning. And I was, like, just sitting in traffic, and I was finally turned around. Yeah, you don't. I turned wanna... around, like a mile from the Bay Bridge. You don't want to be on the Bay Bridge if there's like a nasty storm happening and there's traffic because, other than just like the storm, like people could get in accidents and you're like stuck mm-hmm. there for fucking ever. It's just it wasn't what I wanted, and then I knew I'd have to do the drive again. I was just like, nope, it's not meant to be. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. I think because when you get to the bridge, like that's your point of no return. You have to, like, yep. commit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is where we're going. So, yeah, yeah that... Ooh. People that don't know the Bay Bridge, how long is the Bay Bridge? Like, how long does it say, take to drive over it, do you think? It doesn't take that long. Oh, like, I three remember... Three four be- minutes. Oh, I remember being, like, really long. I think the Bay Bridge is, like, a mile. Maybe two. I think it's, like, a mile. It just seems like scary because you're high up above the Chesapeake Bay and it's like if it's trafficy, it can take a really mm-hmm. long time. I guess that's not that bad because when I would drive to work every day in Louisiana, that bridge was like 22 miles long. Yeah, that bridge was insane. Yeah, but it's like close to the water, so it's not that scary. Yeah, okay, I'm told the Bay Bridge is 4.3 miles long. So. Okay, that's still not okay. as long as I thought. My ass, my, like, this is, like, a true Sarah fact, though. I have no concept of distance. Like, I really don't. I have no concept of distance or numbers. Like, if I have to estimate an amount of something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just guess. Yeah. It was just interesting because I'm really good at guessing sizes of, like, clothing and yeah, things. Yeah, you are. Uh-huh. But I'm terrible at, like, distance. I'm bad at all kinds of number estimating everything. It's weird how that works out. Well, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck all that stuff. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Harry Potter. This is the topic. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just talk about (laughs) if I'm in the right place? That soundtrack will make me cry. The soundtrack? Okay. Do you think the movies would be as good without the soundtrack? No. No. It's so good. It is like, it evokes such a, like, visceral fucking reaction in me. Like, Uh I, if, sometimes I'll put it on in the background, and I will just, like, weep if I'm in, like, the right place. Yeah, if you're just in that mood, the music is so good. Oh, so what is it you love about Harry Potter? You have a Harry Potter tattoo. Tell me. I do have a Harry Potter tattoo. I have a Deathly Hallows tattoo that I know I'm old 
because students ask me if it's an Illuminati tattoo. <laughs> and I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, yes, that's what it is. You tell yeah. them you're in the Illuminati? <laughs> Why would you be in the Illuminati? <laughs> like, no offense, but it's like Beyonce and shit. Like, <laughs> assume that's what the tattoo is like (laughs) just kind of go with it but yeah so I first read Harry Potter I think in middle school I want to say I was in middle school and that was when I was like first really getting into fantasy and I think there's something about Harry Potter and this idea of being a part of like this magical thing that you didn't know about Mm -hmm. was just like a dream of like all kids Mm mm-hmm like, you wanted somebody to come and take you away from your humdrum and make your life fantastical. I think that's part of the magic of it is that Harry lives his whole life thinking he's just a regular person. And then this whole other world opens up. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it, like, accessible to you. You're like, oh, what if that mm-hmm. did happen? And I think, when, I mean, I still want it to happen, but I think when we're kids... You know, that's that's the dream. I remember being in sixth grade and my reading teacher saying, there's this book that just came out that's like really popular. It's called Harry Potter. And I didn't like read it at the time, but then it blew up over the next couple mm-hmm. years. Like it became like a huge thing. And I don't think we've had like such a blow up of a book series since like... Not quite on this level, maybe like Hunger Games or Twilight, but even like Harry Potter was bigger than those two, I think. Harry Potter, I think, there will never, I think, be for a long time, like another book series that kind of captures people. I think it's so, yeah, it was so special that it would be, it takes a while for something else to come up like that. Yeah, which is so funny because honestly, at its base, the story of Harry Potter is not an original story. It's not? No. It's, you know, it's the classic hero's journey. But I like think Joseph it's... Joseph Campbell shit. But I think... Who's Joseph Campbell? Oh, God, such a nerd. Is he like the archetype guy? Yeah, so okay. he's so he talks all about like the hero's journey, and then in classic stories, that so, in its essence, all heroes' journeys are exactly the same, and they like appeal to something in humanity, and that's why we like them. So yes, the overall hero's journey is not original, but I think it's original in like the more the details about. Like Voldemort and choice and like Mm -hmm. the fact that Voldemort made what happened to him happen by choosing to attack Harry, Mm -hmm. which I guess also like happens in Greek tragedies and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, if you this is not something I myself saw, but I think I saw it on like a YouTube video or TikTok or something. Somebody pointing out the parallels of Harry Potter and Luke Skywalker and how they essentially, in a lot of ways, tell the same story. Because they're both raised by relatives. Mm-hmm. They... they both have, like, an old man who, like, guides them on their path. They come into their own. They have their friends or their team that helps them. Mm-hmm. Although with Luke, he... 
um, what's the word? He like brings Darth Vader back to the light side. So that's different. Mm -hmm. That is, you are correct. Have you seen those like, I don't, it's not SNL. I think it's like the Canadian version of SNL where they compare Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings. I have not. And how like you have Gandalf slash Dumbledore and you have like all these other similar like parallels between like the characters and like the overall mm-hmm. story. <laughs> I mean, people like a classic tale. We like it told different ways, but at the end of the day, we like the hero coming from nothing. Yeah. And I think what makes Harry Potter special is that it really it's accessible to like younger kids. Whereas mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings is not. Like Greek tragedies are not. So it makes that I don't know they can get into it what I like about Harry Potter is that at the end of the day there's nothing actually that fantastical about Harry Potter like they never really indicate that he's that much powerful than anybody else that yeah he's, like that much better than anybody else he kind of just accepts his fate and like slogs through the best he can <laughs> So one of the things I wanted to ask you in one of the books, I don't remember exactly what Snape says, but he says something along the lines of um, Harry Potter is only where he is due to luck and his friends. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I think that's, that's pretty... true? So I And think... is that a bad thing? I don't. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it is pr- pretty much true. I think Hermi- if Hermione had not been there, he mm-hmm. never would have been able to do what he did for the most part, especially towards the end. Like, she was the one pretty much running the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Ron, whilst a extremely fucking flawed character, I think he was that emotional, like, stability he needed, him and his family, which, by the way, love a found family. Like, the whole Harry yeah. Potter Weasley thing, I adore. Yeah. Um, but I think... If they had not been there, he would not have been able to do what he did. Which I think, for the most part, and for a lot of years, that's the case. So really, it's like Harry Potter himself. I mean, he does have, like, really strong qualities to him. But Mm -hmm. that could have been anyone. I guess that's the point with the whole, like, Neville Harry thing. Mm -hmm. With, like, it could have been Neville. Uh Uh-huh. There's, yeah, there's nothing particularly <coughs> fantastical about him. Hey. I'm trying something different this week where I'm leaving the dogs out because last week when I edited, no, two weeks ago when I edited, it took fucking two hours <laughs> to edit and try and make their barks not obnoxious. <laughs> I tell you, these dogs, these dogs. Hey. But yeah. I don't think Harry Potter is, he's not, like, amazing at particularly anything. He's just very dogged. He is dogged. What a word. Oh, my God. I've heard someone say that. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that. I've always heard, like, seen people when I've I've read it. Dogged. (laughs) But he's, like, good at fighting but I don't know if that's just because he kind of is living up to this reputation and he's been giving all these opportunities where he has to Mm -hmm. like prove himself 
Yeah, like he's good at defensive magic. They make a point about that. And they he's, actually make yeah. a pretty good point that he would make a good teacher. He's better. I think that's like the one subject he beats Hermione in is like defense against the dark arts. Mm-hmm. Which again might be like a desperation thing. Like he had to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. Out of like necessity because from the first book he's like fighting for his life. Yeah. Do you do you ever think about the fact that when we have these conversations about books that they are the thought of one person and yeah. there is no way, shape, and hell that this much thought went into these characters when they were written and how much of this stuff is just things we attribute and things we make up. Yeah. And at what point is it not your story anymore? Yeah, it's definitely like what we read into it. Which like, I guess... I can make an argument this is not her story anymore like yeah it's like what i guess that's what makes it so universal and like popular is that people can kind of connect to it and you like relate your own experiences to it Mm-hmm. but yeah like harry potter <laughs> he how intense were all his years at Hogwarts? Like, another quote I remember in the very first book, Hagrid says, Hogwarts is the safest place in the world other than Gringotts. Do you mm-hmm. agree or disagree? I 100% disagree. <laughs> like, look at how much shit happens to him. <laughs> he almost dies every single year. Like, the only year where nothing no that's not true every year yeah I don't think it's very safe at all if that's safe then the wizarding world maybe take a step back and is it not safe because Dumbledore allows it to be that way because he's testing Harry or he's having him go through these trials to prepare him could it have been safer or is is it just I would make the argument that if they actually wanted him to be safe, they would have sent him to, like, Bobotans or Durmstrang, or they would have sent him to whatever the fuck the American version of Hogwarts is. Ilvermoni, whatever they call it. Is there an American version? There is. Not it's in the books, Ilver- though. No, it's, like, in the um, Fantastic Beasts, like, world building. Ilvermoni, I think it's called. That's the other thing I wonder is, like, how populous the wizarding world is because it seems like there's just three or if there's an american one there's four major this bothers me all the time okay so this is a big thing i have with fantasy novels in general is if i cannot get a true breadth of the world Uh like how many people how big it is are parts of it unexplored are parts of it uninhabited Like, that bothers me. And I realize that most fantasy worlds, Harry Potter excluded, but a lot of high fantasy worlds are set in, like, medieval settings. So in a medieval setting, you live in a very insular world, you know? Like, you don't have a lot of access Mm -hmm. to other things. So that makes sense. But with Harry... I'm really nerding out right now. Um, (laughs) That's what this episode's all about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talking about insular worlds. Um... With Harry Potter, I never really got a sense of, like, the wizarding world as a whole. And I think they're trying mm-hmm. to fill that hole a little bit with um, 
Fantastic Beasts and where to find them in those movies. But in general, yeah, you never really got an idea of how many wizarding people are actually in England. Um, Yeah, I like, (laughs) I crunched some numbers one time. And in Harry's year at Hogwarts, the boys in his year, there's only like six or seven boys. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in all of Hogwarts, if those numbers are consistent across the years with boys and girls, there's only, like, a couple hundred students. Yeah, because they have classes together with other houses. Like, it's never just a Gryffindor class or a Slytherin class. Like, there's always two houses in a class. So, if we have, like, a class of, like, 30, uh-huh. it's, like, you know, 15 kids a year. Because who would... And who is in Harry's dorm? Is Harry, Ron, Dean, Seamus, Neville? Is that it? Is that it? Five? Five Gryffindors in that one year. I think that's it. So and then if there's ten with boys and girls, times seven years, that's seventy per house, times four houses is two hundred and eighty students. That's tiny for all of England. Yeah, and, like, I just remember thinking that Diagon Alley is, like, the only place you can go to go shopping. Or is it just other places aren't addressed, you know? Yeah, maybe there's, like, other smaller schools that just aren't on par with Hogwarts. Like, maybe Hogwarts is the Harvard or something. Yeah. See, this is why I like fan fiction so much, because they try to, a lot of them will try to fill these holes. One of the big issues I always had was, where do kids go to school before they go to Hogwarts? Are they just homeschooled? Yeah, that's never explained in the book. I think J.K. Rowling said that they go to muggle school until Hogwarts Mm -hmm. age, so they learn, like, basic math and stuff. But they, like, don't know anything about muggles. Yeah. That's true. And... If you then go to Hogwarts, does that mean you don't become, like, an engineer? Because you don't, like, take any more math? Like, Yeah, I was like, is there, like, college? Or are they, they don't all ever talk school? about college, yeah. But they all take, like, tests, like owls and newts. So, like, you're clearly trying to test into something. I mean, when Percy graduated, he went straight to working at the Ministry of Magic. And he would have been, like, 17 or 18. 17? Yeah. That's, like, kind of crazy when you think about it. Stuff like this bothers me. (laughs) And he was, like, the assistant to the Minister of Magic, too, I thought. Yeah. What really bothered me when I was younger is in Goblet of Fire, there's a scene where Harry goes to the Quidditch World Cup. And there is a wizard there who is trying to dress like a muggle, and he doesn't understand muggle clothes. (laughs) And so he has on, like, a dress and something else. And I just remember that scene really sticking with me and then watching the movie. And they were all in, like, regular pants and sweater vests and shit. Yeah. And I was... There was... You can tell in the first book that she was trying to figure some stuff out. And then some of it still lingered. And it didn't really make sense with where she wanted to be at the end. So there's, like, little pockets of stuff like that where I'm just... Yeah. I don't think it matches. It doesn't make sense. Like those scenes are like that scene was funny. It was comedic relief. But yeah, it doesn't make sense. And also like in the movies, they all wear like their wizarding robes for the first couple movies. And then they wear like muggle clothes for the rest of them. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think like the wiz- the world building maybe is a little bit lacking, but I think where like the story really shines is like the characters and the overall like mm-hmm. arc. Yeah. All right, I have some basic questions to ask you regarding okay. Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, first one is an easy one. What's your favorite book? I was trying to think of this earlier, actually. I really like, and I think the like big turning point of the series is the Goblet of Fire. It's my favorite, too. Yeah. I just, like, it turns the whole series from like scary shit is like kind of happening around Harry to oh my god Cedric died Harry was there in the graveyard they took his mm-hmm. blood it's like shit is getting real yeah I think that was the turn it took to these aren't just like random incidents to oh no like this is happening I also just really enjoyed the whole even though, again, I don't think it makes that much sense if you think too much about it, but the whole tournament is just really mm-hmm. fun. And the it different, like, feats they have to do. And I like Fleur as a character. I like Victor Crumb as a character. I like Cedric. I like the Hermione Crumb thing going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just fun. Like, it was fun. In a way that some of the other ones weren't. It was longer than a lot of the other ones, which really filled my soul as a teenager. Um, and yeah, it has like hippogriffs in it and shit. It's just fun. I like the Yule Ball. I like that Dobby is in it. He's like helping Harry. I like that Harry's just getting lots of help from people. I liked learning about the wizarding schools from other countries. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like really interesting. Yeah, I think it is a very, like, it's fun, well, also serious, which for the later books, you definitely can't always say they're necessarily fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just at the very end with the whole, like, Cedric and the labyrinth and then Harry. Oh, it's so intense. And Harry brings back his body so Cedric's parents could bury the body. Oh, my God. It's so intense. And he's 14. (laughs) That shit is so crazy. I remember, like, they're, like, waiting for Harry to come back as the victor of the maze. And they're all, like, playing this music and, like, woo, woo. And he comes back with a fucking dead body of Cedric Diggory. The band keeps playing and Cedric's dad is like, my boy. Oh, my God. (laughs) My son. That's, like... I mean, that moment is, like, probably the most dramatic moment up until that point in the series, I think. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you. What's your least favorite book? I had a lot of problems with The Half-Blood Prince, to be honest. Shut up! Me too! <laughs> yeah, we're, like, the fucking same person <laughs> Harry Potter. What were your problems with it? Okay, my issue with that fucking book is that, and he's not wrong in the end, but he follows Draco Malfoy around that entire fucking book, just being like, he's up to something. He's yeah. up to something. And I, all I can think is, like, why don't you guys just fuck? Like, seriously. 
<laughs> that entire book, he was so annoying. And he wasn't wrong. He was up to something. Yeah. But it was, I found it super obnoxious. And I, like, couldn't get past it. It was obnoxious. And after I read the seventh book, I mean, the pacing is just really off. Like, so much happens in the seventh book. Mm-hmm. Not a lot really happened in the sixth book. Like, it could have been divided up a little bit more. Like, in the sixth book, they could have introduced, like, maybe the Elder Wand a little bit or the Hollows. Mm-hmm. But the sixth book, it kind of felt like, I mean, what really happened that was important in that book? You found out. Dumbledore dies, right? Dumbledore dies. Yeah. Um, and you kind of see... You find out about Horcruxes. Yeah, you... Death Eaters take over the school at the end of it. Yeah. And you kind of see where Draco Malfoy sits as a character, and then, like, maybe he's not as down with it all as you think he is. Yeah. I guess all that stuff is important, but, like, when I was listening to the seventh book recently, it's a lot. They do a lot in that book. Mm Mm-hmm. It could have been I think, a split up, I think. Yeah, I think the issue with it is, like, the way she broke it up with it being within a year. You know, each book kind of limited her in some ways. Yeah. Like, I almost would have enjoyed it more if, like, this happened mid-year and they, like, went on the run. You kind of stall them on the run at the beginning and then the last book wrapped it up. It's just kind of, like, in the sixth book, they spend so much time, ta- like... Harry figuring out who snuck in that necklace. Like, Mm -hmm. what's Draco doing in the Room of Requirement? Which, again, is important. But in the seventh book, they have to find all these horcruxes. And they have Mm -hmm. to do, like, find all these hollows and explain everything. It's just, like, so much. Maybe the seventh book can be split up, I guess. Yeah. I think the sixth book, her big focus was Snape and trying to flesh out his character i think that was a lot of it um and kind of you know placing him in the story where he needed to be but yeah it was it didn't all need to be there i think which i don't know that at the end of the sixth book i really liked snape or understood him anymore or found him to be any more of a well-rounded character like we knew he was good at potions so you find, like, about his background, right? That he's, like, the half-blood prince and that, you know, all yeah. those things. Um, and he, at the end, betrays Dumbledore, at least in Harry's eyes. So it kind of places him on the side of, I am going to be a Death Eater for this point in time anyway. Like, he he doesn't choose a side, but he chooses where he has to fake it. And Harry doesn't understand it. And it kind of sets the scene. So yeah, like the sixth book, I, it doesn't really change how I view him. He's just mm. more of the same mean person. Yeah, I hate his character. Like, I hate it. Okay, do you think Snape, my, when I was listening to it, I was like, is he playing both sides? Is he just waiting to see which side shakes out? Is he really Dumbledore's man or is he just... Biding his time. With Snape. I realize people are multifaceted and they have many parts and, you know, nobody's one thing. But I had a lot of issues with 
them having him spy and be on the side of the light, not because he realized he did a wrong thing or that what he was promoting was wrong. He changed sides because the women he loved died. Mm -hmm. He didn't have this moral moment. He just switched mostly, it seems like, for revenge. Yeah. He was acting. It's like, do the ends justify the means? Like, what are your intentions? Which, if you're going to look at his intentions, you also have to look at, did he really love Lily? Or was he just obsessed with her? Yeah, I also have a lot of issues with, okay, you loved this woman, and yet you're going to treat her son like trash. Yeah. Which, if you're really playing both sides, it would have made more sense to be nice to Harry. At least... Not such an asshole because he noticeably hated him more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Which also maybe you could say is him trying to stay in the Dark Lord's favor. Maybe to, you know, make it seem like he doesn't like him. But I don't know. He kind of went over the top. Well, especially because in the beginning of the book, they don't know that Voldemort's back. Right. So who is he faking it for? Yeah, he doesn't have... Well, did Snape know that Voldemort was on Quirrell's head? Wouldn't he know if he was his his right-hand man? Wouldn't he... I don't think he knew. Did anybody know? Because Quirrell just found Voldemort when he was, like, off doing dark magic shit, right? Just, like, in the forest and just brought him back. Wasn't wasn't Wormtail a part of that? I don't think at that point, was he? Wormtail kind of came in later. I haven't read the books in so long that it's... From what I remember, Quirrell was off in the dark forest of Albania or whatever Mm -hmm. and found Voldemort... And as far as I know, he was the only person that knew about him. Yeah, Maybe because so. he didn't have, like, the strength or the means to tell anyone. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, Snape, man. <laughs> I don't like him. Yeah, I kind of felt like I could see him just kind of, like, maybe he does admire Dumbledore and he doesn't really like Voldemort that much but if the tides had changed and Voldemort really had gained power I don't know that Snape would have tried to undermine him or bring him down you know I mean at the end of the day he's a very flawed character which people are but if it do you think the part where Harry comes back from the dead and he's laying on the ground and Voldemort is like, is he alive? And Narcissa's like, he's dead. Mm-hmm. If that was Snape, what do you think Snape would have said? I think he would have said he was dead. Yeah. Okay. I think that is what would show whose side he's really on. Mm-hmm. I love that moment with Narcissa. I really, I got more from the books how Draco just really wasn't into it at the end, which I understand because, like, his family is just tied to Voldemort and he's been brought up this way. But in the seventh book, when 
Harry's a prisoner at the Malfoy mansion and they're like, Draco, is this Harry? And Draco's like, I don't know. I can't tell. But he doesn't really look at him. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, he is not about it. He's like, get me out of (laughs) here. He's a good character. Like, if you want to make a modern comparison as far as racism and how people are raised that way Mm -hmm. and then they have this moment where they're like oh maybe not (laughs) i think that ambiguity is what that i see in draco is what i wanted to see more of in snape where i'm like wait a second like Mm -hmm. maybe he does have maybe he does have a good heart and dumbledore says that in the sixth book he's like draco this isn't who you are and draco's Mm -hmm. not the one who kills him and draco doesn't betray harry and Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoy fan fictions that like super delve into Draco Malfoy's character and give him a really intense redemption arc where he really does make amends and he really does try to become a better person. Um, I really like those ones. Yeah, I think Draco's a really interesting character and. Remember back in the first book when Draco and Harry cross paths in like the robes shop and Draco Mm -hmm. wants to make friends with him? Like, okay, two parts to this question. A, Harry had been kind of poisoned against Slytherins by Mm -hmm. Hagrid. And when he meets Ron, Ron. Mm -hmm. And so like, do you think if Harry hadn't had this like, preconceived notion of them would they become friends and b what do you think draco's motivation was do you think he knew he was harry potter and he was going to work against him at that point or he didn't know yet i don't think he knew he was harry potter really well do they does he say he know i don't think he realizes in the rope shop he realizes on the train right on the train but then on the train he's like hey I'm Drake. Like, he wants to be friends with him mm-hmm. on the train, too. I think Harry's thing is that Harry's never had a friend, right? He's uh-huh. never had any of those things because they always were driven away from it by him, by his cousin. Um, so when Ron and Hagrid are, like, the first people who are, mm-hmm. like, really nice to him, I don't know that it's necessarily he's a Slytherin. I think it's more, you were rude to my friend. Yeah. Like, this first person who was nice to me, and therefore, I don't want to be your friend. That is true. Draco was really rude to Ron. He said something about him being a Weasley, and I think his, like, Mm -hmm. robes being shabby or something. Yeah. So I don't know that it was a Slytherin thing. Not yet, anyway. It just shows, like, first impressions, like, that ever since that moment, they, like, hated each other. And they could have been really good friends. There are some great fan fictions all about that. <laughs> I mean, the theme of the books, right, like, is that Harry could have been a Slytherin. Like, he fit in yeah. that mold, and he could have been really good at, in that path or whatever. Um, so, yeah, there are some really good fan fictions all about that. <laughs> Do you think... Wait, what was, what was I going to say? <laughs> Your turn to ask a question. I feel like I've been grilling okay. you. Okay. Uh, let me look at my listy list. Um, okay, we already talked about Snape. Okay, who do you think is a more evil character? Voldemort or Dolores Umbridge? 
I love this question because I I thought about it a lot as I was like reading. I think that Dolores Umbridge is more evil because she's like sneaky. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. So my thing with Voldemort, and obviously we get more of a backstory of Voldemort than we do for Umbridge. So I I don't know her life. I I don't know what the deal was. But with Voldemort... <laughs> I don't is... know her story. I don't know her. Uh, I don't know her deal. Voldemort <laughs> is partially formed by his background. He has, you know, a rough childhood. His mother was nuts. Um, and all of these things that kind of influence him to be who he is. And he's very cut and dry Hitler shit. <laughs> Where <laughs> Umbridge is like purposefully awful and she guises it with like i'm a nice person like voldemort never yeah hides what he is like he is very straightforward i'm a piece of shit hear me he is what he is yeah yeah whereas umbridge is like guised in kittens and pink and all of these things that we associate with happiness and good things and she is in charge of kids and she's supposed to be somebody you can go to and she's the literal fucking worst i almost just spilled my white cloth (laughs) that's how upset you are (laughs) violent gesturing well also with umbridge she likes torturing people mm-hmm. like i know voldemort like does the cruciatus curse but he also just does avada kedavra mm-hmm. whereas umbridge like with the whole it's like really sadistic with the carving the words yeah. into the student's hands and she like gains pleasure from it and does it for like hours it's like i think there's something truly evil about people who are in positions of trust and care that take advantage of them. Also going along those lines, just the fact that she has power within the ministry and she's able to manipulate and wield that diplomatic like position. It's just Mm -hmm. a different kind of level of evil. Whereas like Voldemort has his death eaters and they go and they like kill people. Whereas she like infiltrates a system and makes systemic changes that like persecute groups of people <laughs> like mm-hmm. Voldemort would do that too but she's just very like I don't know on top of it she's very conniving in a way that he's not yeah she's also maybe smarter than Voldemort <laughs> she's definitely I think more sadistic than him And Voldemort, at the end of the day, I don't... Obviously, he has to have a level of intelligence to achieve what he did. He's good at magic. He wouldn't have been able to break himself into horcruxes if he wasn't. Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah, strategically, I don't know how great he is. (laughs) Dolores was very strategic in that she used... Like, when she became headmaster of Hogwarts, she used the rules to really... Um, like control what was happening in a way that you couldn't really challenge because it was systemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Voldemort put the Karos in power, but that was easy to, you know, defeat them, tie them up or whatever. 
Whereas like Dolores is like, I don't know. She's using what's his name? The like groundskeeper. Oh, Filch. Filch. Yeah. I don't know. Her whole just systemic infiltration and incorporating these rules is like a different kind of evil. I think, and I think we've seen this in history. When you have a leader who's not a good person, typically they gather people to them that are even worse. Because mm. they go to this person who they know is going to give them that opportunity to be awful. Like if we look at Nazi Germany, yeah, Hitler was a trash human being. Yeah. But there were definitely people under him who were fucking worse. Well, and when Umbridge became headmaster... At that point, when I was reading the book, she didn't seem like a Death Eater. She just seemed like Mm -hmm. a power-hungry, awful person. Mm -hmm. And then maybe she kind of became a Death Eater because that's the way the power was kind of swinging. Mm -hmm. So that's also kind of evil. (laughs) Yeah, like whatever opportunity is going to allow me to keep doing what I want to do. That's what I'm going to go with. Even if it doesn't necessarily match with my ideals or where I'm at, you know, thought-wise, if it gives me the opportunity to do what I want to do, I'm going to go with it. It's where I see a lot of people in our political climate right now. Yeah. She just kind of, like, goes where the power goes. Yeah. She's a wolf in sheep's clothing. She really is. She's the definition of it. I hate her. (laughs) Do you just want to stop for this week? We've been talking for like an hour. We could keep talking next week. Okay. Let's do part two next week. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to leave in the damn it, you guys. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I'm... They were, like, better than I thought they would be for an hour, so. Yeah, they they held it together for quite some time. (laughs) Can you tell that I tried really hard this episode not to say I like? No. But I don't notice that. I know. When I listen back, we'll see. (sighs) When I edit these, I'm like. Oh, God, my vocal fry, my ums, my likes. (laughs) I say I like so much. It's why I was talking slower than normal this episode, because I was really thinking about what was exiting my mouth. Y'all, we're just trying to improve ourselves, and you don't know how obnoxious you are until you listen or watch (laughs) yourself on something. You're like, oh, my God. (laughs) I've developed a real sincere issue with my laugh (laughs) (laughs) i like your laugh oh god like it's definitely changed as i've gotten older like i used to laugh you know when you laugh really hard and it's basically silent that's why i used to laugh like all the time and now i fucking guffaw i like a good guffaw and i just like (laughs) 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 i hate it I like it. I think go with the guffaw. Thanks, friend. (laughs) Well, we will be doing a part two next week. Our continued conversations regarding Harry Potter. Maybe this will just Um, be a Harry Potter podcast. We'll just talk about it ad infinitum. I mean, there are Harry (laughs) Potter podcasts where that's all they talk about. Um, So I guess we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Please comment. 
and like or whatever you can do on whatever platform you're listening to on. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Do all the things. All the things. Bye. Bye.